0: The following podcast contains audio extracted from videos on the Harry Potter Theory YouTube channel. Hey everyone, welcome to another installment of Harry Potter Theory. In 2016 we finally got Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, the first installment of an alleged 5 part film series introducing us to a new wizarding world one so similar yet so different. It highlighted what the wizarding world was like in a different era in different parts of the world, and placed an emphasis on all sorts of new and never before seen characters, creatures, and places. We saw the wizarding world in America for the first time, creatures like Nifflers, new magic, new protagonists, and even a new antagonist. The first film was an entirely new magical experience, showing us so many unfamiliar things in a world that had become otherwise so familiar. And just two years later, in 2018, the follow-up film came- Fantastic Beasts- The Crimes of Grindelwald. Crimes of Grindelwald was able to continue on the path that the first film had laid, introducing us to so many new concepts and ideas. However, they were also able to interweave aspects of the magical world that we were already familiar with- aspects from the original Harry Potter films. This was a good strategy to try and reel in and captivate audiences that were heavy-hearted of the veritable lack of old Harry Potter content- the content that we had grown up with. But this is also where things started to hit the fan. Despite the very best efforts of Warner Bros, each of the Fantastic Beasts films released thus far had come under heavy scrutiny from their magical fan base, mainly being criticised for a plot that seemed a little all over the place. However, the negative attention was duly noted, prompting big changes for the three films still to come in the franchise. Negative reviews and weak box office receipts of the whole series were something which Warner Bros noticed quite suddenly, raising serious concerns about their plans to launch five series of spin-offs. Warner Bros has now shown a great deal of confidence in giving the third series with a great deal of effort not to replicate the fate of previous films. The negative attention forced filmmakers to reevaluate their strategy, and actually pushed the film's release date back so that they could take extra time to rewrite the screenplay. They even enlisted the help of Harry Potter alumnus, Steve Kloves, who was an integral part of the Harry Potter films. Things were looking good, and in 2022, a whopping four years after the release of the part one, we finally got part three, Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore. But unfortunately, this one suffered the same fate as the first two, putting Warner Brothers in the uncomfortable position of putting a halt to production on the follow-up films. At least, it very much looks that way. Fortunately for casuals, three did complete the story, in a way. Dumbledore and Newt managed to defeat, sort of, Grindelwald. The real chillin selected a new Supreme Mugwump, Newt and Tina reconcile, and Jacob proposes to Queenie. But for those with a deeper understanding of Harry Potter lore, they'll know that there is still a lot missing. And the very first hint that we're missing some things is in the very first installment of the Harry Potter series, when Harry views a chocolate frog card with Dumbledore's name on it. Albus Dumbledore, currently headmaster of Hogwarts. Considered by many the greatest wizard of modern times, Dumbledore is particularly famous for his defeat of the dark wizard Grindelwald in 1945. And there it is- famous defeat of dark wizard Grindelwald in 1945. Secrets of Dumbledore ends in 1932, which leaves a whopping 13 years, entirely unaccounted for. Because a new Fantastic Beasts film seems improbable at this point, today I'm going to be filling in the blanks. Taking a look at those 13 long years, we may never get a chance to see on screen. I can only operate within the existing lore, so there's certainly still going to be some missing information, but bear with me. Quick summary. Before we dive into what happens after part 3, Let me first just provide a very brief recap of what has happened so far. Fantastic Beasts 1 came out nearly 8 years ago at this stage, so I believe a refresher is in order. Fantastic Beasts 1 Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them takes place in the year 1926. The film follows the adventures of Newt Scamander, a wizard and magical creature enthusiast from England, as he arrives in New York City. He carries a mysterious suitcase filled with various magical creatures. Upon his arrival, Newt's suitcase gets accidentally swapped with that of Jacob Kowalski, a nomad factory worker. Some of the magical creatures escape, and Newt endeavours to recapture them with the help of Jacob. Their actions catch the attention of Tina Goldstein, a former aura who's been demoted to a menial position in the magical congress of the United States of America, MACUSA. Newt eventually discovers a young obscurial named Credence Barebone who is under the abusive care of his adopted mother, Mary Lou. An Obscurus is a dangerous and dark parasitic force formed by the suppression of magical abilities. And for reasons that are later explained, Percival Graves, a high-ranking aura at MACUSA, is particularly interested in young Credence. As Newt endeavours to find the escaped creatures, he discovers that there are dark forces at play. With Tina's help, he discovers that Grindelwald has been disguised as Percival Graves and that he was interested in harnessing the power of the Obscurial Credence Barebone. The film concludes with Newt, Tina, Jacob, and Queenie, Tina's sister, successfully apprehending Grindelwald and preventing the Obscurus from causing further destruction. In the end, Jacob's memories of the magical world are erased due to MACUSA regulations, and Newt departs for Europe. Fantastic Beasts 2 Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald, takes place in the year 1927 shortly after the events of the first film. The story follows Newt's commander as he is enlisted by Albus Dumbledore to help thwart the plans of the dark wizard, Gellert Grindelwald. Grindelwald escapes from Makusa and sets out to gather followers, who share his belief in wizarding supremacy. Newt is initially reluctant to get involved, but is convinced by Dumbledore's request to find Credence Barebone, who is believed to be the key to stopping Grindelwald's reign of terror. Meanwhile in Paris, Newt encounters his former love interest, Lita Lestrange, who is now engaged to his brother, Theseus. Lita's complex past intertwines with the search for Credence. As Grindelwald gains power, tensions rise within the wizarding community. Newt, along with Tina, Jacob and Queenie, join forces to find Credence before Grindelwald does. They discover that Credence is on a quest for his true identity, seeking answers along the way. In the climactic battle, Grindelwald convinces Credence to join his cause by promising information about his past. Queenie aligns herself with Grindelwald, driven by her desire for freedom to marry Jacob, who she believes cannot legally wed her due to wizarding laws. The film ends with Grindelwald's rally, where he reveals his true intentions for a wizarding revolution, setting the stage for the upcoming conflict between him and the resistance led by Newt and his allies. Before the credits roll, Grindelwald reveals to Credence that he is actually a member of the Dumbledore family, and that his real name is Aurelius Dumbledore. FANTASTIC BEAST 3 FANTASTIC BEAST 3 The Secrets of Dumbledore takes place in the year 1932. The film starts with Albus Dumbledore and Gellick Grindelwald briefly meeting in a muggle tea shop and acknowledging their mutual feelings. Grindelwald then reveals his plan to destroy the muggle world, which Dumbledore denounces as madness explaining that he once supported this ideology in his youth, but has since changed. Meanwhile in Quailin, China, Newt's commander helps a chillin give birth, but Grindelwald's followers attack, killing the mother and kidnapping one of the newborns. Grindelwald intends to harness the baby's precognitive powers, however, Newt saves the other twin Chilin. Unable to directly challenge Grindelwald due to a blood pact, Dumbledore recruits Newt, his brother Theseus, Lally Hicks, Yusuf Karma, Jacob Kowalski and Bunty to stop Grindelwald's plan. They travel to Berlin, where they plant Yusuf as a spy in Grindelwald's inner circle. Grindelwald convinces the International Confederation of Wizards to clear him of charges and allows him to run for supreme mugwump of the ICW. Grindelwald's acolytes arrest Theseus and plan to assassinate a Brazilian candidate. Newt goes to the Erkstan prison to free Theseus, Jacob and Lally escape but are framed for attempting to kill Grindelwald. Greedance, who battles Dumbledore, realizes he's Aberforth's illegitimate son and questions his loyalty to Grindelwald. Later, leaders from the Wizarding World gather in Bhutan for the Walk of the Chillin ritual. Grindelwald uses necromancy to reanimate the dead Chillin and manipulates it to choose him as the new supreme leader. The team arrives and confronts Grindelwald's followers. Queenie renounces Grindelwald and his corp, Jacob. The surviving Chilling is revealed, bowing to Dumbledore and a chosen alternative supreme leader, Vicencia Santos. Enraged, Grindelwald tries to kill Credence, but Aberforth and Dumbledore protect him. Their clashing spells break the blood pact, and Grindelwald escapes. Aberforth accepts Credence as his son, and Jacob and Queenie marry. Dumbledore thanks Newt before disappearing into the night and on that note, we should be just about up to date. What next? While Secrets of Dumbledore did wrap up the immediate plot, there were still a lot of unanswered questions at the end of the last film. Questions like, What was the fate of the newly introduced Dumbledore family member Aurelius Dumbledore slash Credence Barebone? And who is his mother? What's going on with Tina and Newt? What really happened with Ariana Dumbledore? How did she die? What happened to Nagini after Crimes of Grindelwald? And finally, what happened to Grindelwald? While I won't be able to get as granular as I might like due to obvious limitations on published lore, here are some long-awaited answers to these unanswered questions. Credence After the events of the Walk of the Chillin ritual, Credence is in immense pain, and we witness his father Aberforth carrying him down a set of stairs. He looks to be in particularly rough shape. However, he also accepts his father's invitation to go home with him to Hogsmeade. And Aurelius, who now recognizes himself by his birth name, is taken back to Scotland and Aberforth's home at the Hogshead Inn through a port key from Bhutan. The implication here is that Aberforth is going to try and nurture his son back to good health. However, although Aurelius survives Grindelwald's attempts to kill him, his obscurial nature continues to poison him which leads us to believe that he has little time remaining. From there things are left a little ambiguous, but there are a couple of clues that provide insight into what happens to the newly recognized Dumbledore. In his weakened state, we witness Credence's phoenix flying off into the distance, and in case you've forgotten, something very similar happens to Dumbledore after his death in Half-Blood Prince. As he lay there, he became aware suddenly that the grounds were silent. Forks had stopped singing and he knew, without knowing how he knew it, that the phoenix had gone, had left Hogwarts for good, just as Dumbledore had left the school, had left the world, had left Harry. Credence's phoenix leaving casts a rather ominous shadow over the fate of Credence, and to me this suggests that his time may have been very limited. Pair that with his deteriorating health and abrupt end to his existence in Harry Potter lore and I'd be willing to bet that Credence died fairly shortly after his reunion with his father. Tragic, but likely. No information has been provided as to who Credence's mother was, but my best guess is that it was a muggle woman from Godric's Hollow. Tina and Newt Despite a budding, and dare I say unusual romance between Newt Commander and Tina Goldstein in the first two films, she is strangely and abundantly absent from the third film this left many fans confused as to what comes of their relationship. The fairly unsatisfactory answer behind Tina's absence is that she has taken on a new role as head of the aura department, but to me, this never quite made any sense. I'm really not sure what could've possibly been more important than taking down the largest imminent threat in the wizarding world- helping the man she loves and, oh I dunno, saving her sister? Of course Tina does show up at the very end of the film, much to a thrilled newt, making an appearance at Jacob and Queenie's wedding, but things are still left awfully unclear. Allow me to fill you in. Well, you may be delighted to hear that Newt and Tina do end up getting married. Amidst the romantic display put on by Jacob and Queenie at their wedding, I suspect that Tina and Newt may have finally been bitten by the love bug and expressed their feelings for one another. Witnessing those close to them in a marital embrace, it's likely that they got married shortly thereafter. Following marriage, the pair eventually moved to England- Dorset to be precise- and end up having one son- Rolf Scamander. The Scamander residence also housed three pet Niesles- Hoppy, Millie, and Maula. Newt and Tina also later become great-grandparents to twin boys Lorcan and Lysander after their son Rolf marries and has children, with none other than Luna Lovegood. What really happened with Ariana Dumbledore? How did she die? It shouldn't come as much of a surprise to anyone that Dumbledore carried with him an insurmountable amount of guilt for his role in the death of his sister. And the conventional understanding of her death was that she was caught in the crossfire of a three-way duel between Albus, Aberforth, and Grindelwald. Beyond that, nothing else is revealed regarding Ariana's fate. But I think it may have been Albus's spell that ended up killing her. Right from the very beginning of the Fantastic Beasts franchise, Grindelwald displays a strong obsession with controlling the Obscurus Credence Barebone. And I think that this obsession stems from his past encounters with Ariana. I suspect that Ariana, an Obscurial herself, was able to overpower Grindelwald during a fight that ultimately led to her death. In her confusion, Ariana took Grindelwald's wand, possibly attempting to save Aberforth from the Cruciatus curse that Grindelwald was torturing him with, However, it was Albus who ended up killing Ariana during the incident, which later gave him the ability to defeat Grindelwald. I suspect that Grindelwald had possession of the Elder Wand before his encounter with Albus, Aberforth, and Ariana in Godric's Hollow. There would have been enough time for this, as Aberforth mentioned that they had known each other for a few weeks before he was about to return to school. Grindelwald had been researching the wand during the beginning of the summer after leaving Durmstrang. And likely already had knowledge of the Hallows before meeting Albus. During the fight, the allegiance of the Elder Wand shifted to Ariana first, then to Albus. This explains why it took Albus so long to confront Grindelwald directly. He knew that doing so would confirm that he was the one who killed Ariana. In essence, Albus carried the weight of this guilt for the rest of his life. I'm not even remotely suggesting that Albus killed Ariana intentionally, but I do think that it was HIS spell that killed her. And I think that this also explains the highly complicated dynamic between Albus and Aberforth. What happened to Nagini after Crimes of Grindelwald? Similar to Tina, Nagini drops off the face of the earth after the Crimes of Grindelwald, and this is likely due to her irrelevance to the story as the films progress. However, there was undeniably a fair bit of character development for Nagini, and I for one became invested we also know that she eventually becomes Voldemort's sidekick. But how and when does she make the transition from a helpful and kind woman to an evil snake? Unfortunately, there is zero information available that fills the void between Nagini's last known appearance in 1927 and the 1980s, when Nagini meets Voldemort in the forests of Albania. At this point, Nagini would have likely fully assumed her snake-like form, and Voldemort would have been hiding in his disembodied state following his defeat at the hands of the potters. In case you forgot, Nagini suffered from a blood malediction- which meant that she was destined to transform into a snake. In youth, a maledictus can transform back and forth at will, but as they grow older, they have less and less control- resulting in an inevitable and permanent transformation into their animal form. What their initial interaction would have looked like is anyone's guess. However, we do know a couple of things about Voldemort That would have helped him in interacting with a giant snake. First of all, Voldemort is the descendant of Salazar Slytherin. This means that his connection to snakes is strong, and that he can communicate with them due to his ability to speak Parseltongue. I suspect that Nagini, who would have been stuck in her Maledictus form for quite some time at this point, would have probably leaped at the opportunity to finally speak with someone. She was a lost Maledictus devoid of communication, And finally she encountered someone who could understand her. It was someone that she could tell her story to. Whether Voldemort would have been able to recognize that she was a maledictus or not is unclear. However, he is an extremely versed legilimens, so I'm sure he could have taken a look inside of her mind and figured it out. At this point in time, both Nagini and Voldemort were a bit lost in the world, similar to when she first met Credence. Nagini was stuck in a snake form- an entirely new identity. And was completely devoid of human interaction. She probably had no idea what her next move was going to be, and she must have been incredibly lonely. In Voldemort's case he had just been recently defeated, and was likely also at a bit of a loss for what to do next. For these reasons, I think that it is only natural that the two would pair up, each of them having something to offer the other. Without Nagini, it would have been considerably more difficult to return to a corporeal form, and without Voldemort, Nagini would have had no purpose in the world, and no one to talk to. She would have just been alone. Nagini became instrumental in Lord Voldemort's survival before he could be restored to his real body, and her venom was even used as an elixir that helped him to survive. It was one of the primary ingredients in a potion that he used to rebuild his strength. Nagini also helped Voldemort to commit numerous murders, and one murder in particular- the murder of Bertha Jorkins, sealed their bond more than ever. You see, after the death of Bertha Jorkins, Nagini became one of Voldemort's horcruxes. She was now more than just the companion of Voldemort- a fragment of Voldemort's soul lived inside of her. By this point in time her previous shy and gentle nature was no more, and she became a weapon for Lord Voldemort, the man to which she was completely loyal. In my view, Nagini's path towards villainy is not all that surprising. She was born with a blood curse and for the first few decades of her life, she was tormented and forced to perform by an abusive travelling circus. Nagini forms a temporary alliance with Credence in the crimes of Grindelwald, coming together due to their shared experiences as outcasts and their desire to find belonging and acceptance. Despite knowing each other for a relatively short period of time, the pair form a strong bond. However, this is relatively short-lived. At Grindelwald's rally, Nagini tries to convince Credence to stay with her. However, Credence doesn't listen to her, and instead decides to join Grindelwald in order to learn his true identity. Devastated Nagini also witnesses Lita's death and is just barely apparated to safety by Yusuf. Abandoned by the only person that she felt she could rely on, and continuing to deteriorate from her blood malediction, it's likely that Nagini simply gave up and lost faith in others entirely. WHAT HAPPENED TO GRINDELWALD? As Grindelwald's power grew, many believed that Albus Dumbledore would be the only one capable of stopping him. However, due to a blood pact made in their youth, Dumbledore was, for many years, unable to directly confront Grindelwald. In 1927, the blood pact vial was stolen from Grindelwald by Newton's commander, and when given to Dumbledore, he hoped to break the pact. In 1932, Dumbledore and his brother Aberforth intervened when Grindelwald attempted to harm Credence Barebone, leading to the breaking of said blood pact. This finally left the door open for Dumbledore to challenge Grindelwald in a duel. By 1945, some 13 years after Secrets of Dumbledore ended in his temporary defeat, Grindelwald had managed to make quite the comeback. He managed to rally support through a combination of strategic manipulation and persuasive rhetoric. Utilising his charisma and captivating speaking abilities, Grindelwald aimed to appeal to the sentiments and fears of wizards and witches who were disillusioned with the existing order. He skillfully painted a picture of a future where wizards would assert their dominance over muggles, promising a world in which the magical community would no longer be forced to hide or live in fear. The very same type of language that once convinced Albus Dumbledore. The only difference was that this time around Grindelwald didn't attempt to hide his darker nature or more sinister intentions. And by 1945, the public outcry against Grindelwald became too strong. His presence could no longer be ignored, and he could no longer be allowed to grow his forces unchallenged. This resulted in Albus Dumbledore, the wizarding world's only hope, finally confronting him in a legendary duel, ultimately winning and obtaining the allegiance of the Elder Wand. Exact details of the duel are far and few between, but British pureblood wizard Elphias Doge described their duel as the greatest of all time, and that no duel ever matched it. Given that both wizards were immensely powerful, I suspect that the allegiance of the Elder Wand had something to do with the outcome. I think that Dumbledore is more powerful on paper, but I suspect that the Elder Wand may have evened the playing field. We know that Grindelwald physically possessed the wand, but we also know that the elder wand is rather temperamental. Given that Grindelwald ended up surviving the duel, I suspect that Dumbledore may have simply ended up disarming him in some way- gaining allegiance of the wand and gaining an even larger advantage. As for the spectacle that was the duel itself, I expect it was an impressive display of elemental magic. Both Grindelwald and Dumbledore are known for utilizing this type of magic in dueling settings. And I suspect that they both pulled out every spell in their arsenal. After the duel, Grindelwald was imprisoned in Nurmengard- the very same prison that he had built for his enemies. Grindelwald remains there for many decades and never makes any sort of an attempt to escape. He is later killed by Voldemort, who seeks him out in search of questions regarding the Elderwand. Before his death, he laughs in Voldemort's face. Grindelwald didn't fear death, Voldemort or anything else, and in these final moments he did show a hint of remorse for his actions, many decades prior- entirely unwilling to help the NEW Dark Lord and his reign of tyranny. And I suspect that's where the films would have ended. There are also a plethora of Harry Potter events that take place in this timeline- like Tom Riddle being brought to Hogwarts for example- but for those you'll have to go and watch my other video. If you have more questions I'd be happy to answer them below- or if they're intricate enough- or if there are enough of them- in another video. Until next time, remember- It does not do to dwell on dreams, and forget to live